0: This episode was made possible by the generous support of listeners like you. For more information, please visit patreon.com author chris lester. I strive to make this podcast a safe and inclusive place for my listeners. If I've missed any content warnings, please let me know. Content warnings for this episode include Strong language Mature themes Mind alteration and negative cultural values, including patriarchy, heteronormativity, kinkphobia, and internalized shame. The views of the characters do not reflect the views of the author. You're listening to The Raven and the Writing Desk, the weekly podcast about the writings of Chris Lester and Liminal Corvid Press. This is Episode 360. Hello, everyone. Welcome to The Raven and the Writing Desk. I am Chris Lester, your guide to the fantastical world of Metamore City. You can learn more about me and my work at chrislester.org and metamorecity.com. This is the show where I share my fresh new fiction with you, and tell you what's new with my life and my writing. More on that later in the show. But first, let's get to this week's story. Today I'm bringing you Chapter 11 of Honor Reclaimed by L.C. Williams. If you're new to the show, go back to Episode 350 to hear this story from the beginning. I'm a little short on prep time this week, so I'm going to skip the recap. Here is Chapter 11.
1: Honor Reclaimed The House of Bellevue, Book 3 by L. C. Williams. Narrated by Vivian Ferrari. Chapter 11 Ego. As she kept her eyes closed in concentration, Honor felt the weight of the yew tree lift from her neck. The snow crunched as Delphinia took two steps backward, and a wave of cold air rushed in to fill the space. She heard the wind whistling through the tops of the trees, the shaky sound of her own breath, and the thudding of her anxious heartbeat in her ears. She waited for Lady Drowling's magic to surge up inside her, to assault her mind and push her back down into the docile, obedient young lady it had tried to make of her. She took ten slow breaths, in and out, and then opened her eyes. "I don't feel anything." Delphinia did not look impressed. Did you feel anything when the magic took you the first time? Honor lowered her eyes, feeling foolish. Well, no. Air magic, Delphinia said, with a contemptuous toss of her head. She turned and started trudging deeper into the woods. Come on, puppy, and do try to keep an eye on your thoughts. If you lose control of them again, I shan't be running after you. Honor resented taking orders from Delphinia, but at the moment she didn't have any better ideas. She followed after her, trying to place her feet in the same impressions Delphinia had made in the snow, though the scion's longer legs made this difficult. Honor found herself half-lunging through the snow to keep up, and within a minute or two she was breathing hard. Delphinia glanced over her shoulder, perhaps because of the noise Honor was making, and adjusted her gait to take shorter, more manageable steps. Neither woman said anything about it, for which honor was grateful. They circled around the north end of the chalet, keeping at least a quarter mile out from the nearest buildings at all times. They came to a creek flowing with snowmelt, the water running clear and frigid over the icy stones. Delphinia led them downstream a ways, until they found a wide, flat space where the water only came halfway up their boots— The footing on the rocks was treacherous, though, and the two women waded across in slow, careful steps, each with an arm around the other's waist to help them keep their balance. Honor's foot touched on an especially slick patch, and she would have gone down into the icy water, but Delphinia caught her and pulled her close with surprising strength. Careful, she chided. But she held Honor steady until she'd gotten her feet under her again. Once they had made it across the creek, There was a short, steep climb up a hillside, and then they were on the trail that snaked up and out of the valley. Honor started to follow the trail uphill, but Delphinia called after her. Where do you think you're going? Honor frowned over her shoulder at her. Back to Malin Station, aren't we? Not like that, Delphinia said, and took the path downhill, back toward the chalet. What? Honor stared at her blankly for a moment, then let out a sound of exasperation and began following her. What was the point of going the long way round if we're just going back to the lodge anyway? Keep your voice down, Delphinia hissed. Sound carries further than you think in these mountains. Sullenly, Honor fell into step beside her. She hated this. Her feet were cold, her face was cold, and she was already tired from trudging through the deep snow— She wanted to be back in the sanctum, tucked under blankets in front of the fire, with a nice cup of tea or some hot cocoa. Maybe Lady Drowling would be there, and she would share more of her wise advice about being a Lady of Metamore. Or she could go over and see the main lodge while it was light out, and fraternizing with the men was still permitted. Maybe Lord Anselm would be there, and they could find a nice quiet place to talk and... She stopped dead in her tracks as she abruptly realized the direction her thoughts had been turning. She gritted her teeth together and closed her eyes. No, she told herself. Those thoughts are not mine. I am Lady Honour of House Bellevue. I am the only daughter of Baron Harold Bellevue. And Sylvia C., who was excoriated from House Chastain for her unfaithfulness— For failing to love, honor, and obey her husband as all good ladies should. Ah! Honor growled in frustration and opened her eyes again. Delphinia was watching her with dispassionate interest, as though she were a bug trying to walk with three of its legs missing. Having trouble? Delphinia asked mildly. Honor glared at her. Your advice isn't working, she said. I try to focus on my inner self, but the thoughts keep changing on me. It's like like trying to pick up a snake, only it twists around and bites you. Delphinia showed her a thin smile. As I understand it, she said, the way to avoid that is to grasp the serpent firmly by the head. Meaning what, exactly? Meaning that if the picture of yourself keeps changing... Perhaps you don't know yourself as well as you think you do. You need to dig deeper, Honor. Find your ego. Well, if my ego were as large as yours, perhaps I'd find that a great deal easier. Delphinia rolled her eyes, turned away, and continued walking. I don't have time for this. Why? Honor demanded, hurrying to catch up with her. You haven't explained anything properly since we started this... What is the plan? If you can't even guard your own thoughts, I have no intention of sharing mine, Delphinia said. For all I know, you're going to run straight back to Lady Drowling and tell her everything. If it's so bloody easy, why don't you do it? Honor demanded. Give me the damned crucifix, and you can show me how you guard your bloody thoughts. Delphinia did not slow her stride, but she looked back at Honor mouth agape, and covered the yew tree with one hand. Lady Anna, such language! I am shocked, shocked at your behavior. Honor immediately felt a wave of humiliation run through her. She lowered her head, felt her cheeks burning. Good heavens, she was behaving abominably. What would her father think if he saw her like this? I... I'm so very sorry, she said, her voice shaking. Please forgive me, Lady Delphinia. I I don't know what came over me. She stared at her feet, wishing she could sink down into the dirt and disappear. Delphinia snorted a laugh. <laughs> oh, heavens. She did get her hooks deep inside you, didn't she? The laughter seemed to cut through some kind of invisible web around her. Her shame evaporated, replaced by understanding and irritation. She glared daggers up at Delphinia. That was the spell again, wasn't it? Delphinia smirked and continued on. Honor followed after her. To answer your question, Delphinia said a moment later, I am not giving you my protection, because at least one of us has to make it back to Metamore to warn Grandmother and the Majestrix. Of the two of us, I am the more likely to succeed. I know the city better than you. I have more connections, more resources. Unlike you, I have a plan for how to reach Malin Station, one that will not leave me dead of exposure in the wilderness.' Unlike you, I have not already fallen prey to Lady Drowling's enchantment. If you consider the factors rationally, I am the only logical choice. (laughs) And you don't want to, Honor muttered. And I don't want to, Delphinia agreed, and smiled sweetly. They continued walking in silence. Honor watched the buildings of the chalet growing nearer with a sense of dread. She kept an increasingly paranoid watch over her own thoughts. How could she be sure which were her own and which had been planted inside her by the spell? She tried to focus on simple observations of the world around her, noticing the clear blue of the sky overhead, the ice that collected on the needles of the pine trees, the tracks of little animals that had come to the edge of the path to forage. She tried to focus on the sound of her own footsteps, or the feel of the cold air in her nostrils or the not-unpleasant ache of muscles left by the morning skiing. But still, her thoughts wandered, back to Lady Drowling's lessons, or Lord Anselm's kind eyes, or the feelings of peace and safety that the sanctum had engendered. More than anything, she wished she could have that feeling back again, of being comfortable and secure, of knowing her place in the world and what was expected of her. It would be so much simpler than where she was now— trying to forge a new path toward an uncertain future. Nothing about that path was certain. Nothing was stable. The society that Countess Harcourt was trying to build might not work. The succession reform might do more harm than good. Honor herself might be overwhelmed with the challenges of running House Bellevue. Even her relationships with Alex and Natasha carried unresolved questions. One of the largest being if she could really trust Natasha to be her partner— or if she was just Lord Bellevue's hireling. That last thought echoed through her mind like a struck bell. Anna realized, in a moment of shock, that this was the first she had even thought of Natasha since coming to the chalet. She wondered if that was the work of the magic, too, or if she had been hiding from her own conflicted feelings. In stubborn defiance, then, she made herself think of Natasha. She thought about the last time she saw her, Sitting in Lord Bellevue's study, weeping openly, begging Honour for understanding, for forgiveness. At the time, in her fear and anger and embarrassment, Honour had taken a kind of perverse satisfaction in it. Now it made her feel ashamed. Father had put Natasha in an impossible situation, telling her to keep a secret from Honour that directly affected their relationship— Honor had been so preoccupied with her own worries that she hadn't been willing to acknowledge that. She had been deaf to Natasha's regret, her apologies. She had ignored Alex's pleas for sympathy, for fairness, for understanding. Instead, she had threatened Natasha with dismissal and then stormed out the door. Why did I do that? She tried to imagine what her life would have been like if she had never met Natasha, or Alex, or Yasmine, or Countess Harcourt, if she had only done what was expected of her as a minor lady of a minor house. She imagined slipping into the safe, comfortable role that Lady Drowling had offered her as a lord's wife and the mother of his children. It would mean becoming her husband's servant, sworn to love, honor, and obey him, little different from a pet. Something for a man to admire, enjoy, and possess. And even though she longed for comfort and safety, that image filled her with a soul deep pain and revulsion. That was not her. That was not the life she wanted. She remembered a parable that one of her tutors had taught her, about an innkeeper named Procrustes, who claimed to have a bed that would fit any guest perfectly. People supposed that he had placed some enchantment on the bed, but the truth was simpler and more horrific. He simply cut off the arms and legs of any guests who were too tall and stretched on a rack the ones who were too short. Even if they survived this treatment, his victims were permanently disfigured. That's what the Drowlings are trying to do to us, she realized. They are cutting us down to fit a bed that was not meant for us. But the Drowlings were not the only ones to blame. Honor, after all, had threatened to dismiss Natasha before she ever came under Lady Drowling's spell. Why? Because she feared the exposure of their relationship. Why? Because it was a part of herself that did not fit the role she had been assigned. Ladies were supposed to be submissive to their husbands, not to female companions who were not even nobility. They have trained us so well, she thought with dismay, that we no longer need procrustes. We cut our own selves down to fit the bed they have given us. She thought back to the day she had put on the butterfly necklace for Natasha, the day Natasha had become mistress, and Lady Honor had become her slave. A smile came unbidden to her lips, and she remembered the emotions that had come with it. Peace, safety, and comfort. The assurance that her life was in the hands of someone who loved her and would protect her. All of the things, in fact, that she longed for in Lady Drowling's vision, with none of the parts that repulsed her. Her own words in the carriage came back to her. If I let myself become that honor again, if I let you become mistress, I do not think I would be able to take it off again. Lady Honor Himbele, you would become a mask I put on. And beneath that mask, I would be yours. Always. She thought again of what Delphinia had told her. They can make you think something, but they can't make you believe it. Not if you remember who you really are. That advice, she realized, applied to more than just magic spells. Experimentally, she closed her eyes and held a picture in her mind. It came to her clearly. It rang with the bells of truth deep inside her chest. She considered the thoughts, worries, and fears that still swirled around the edges of her consciousness, the ones Lady Drowling's magic had placed there, and the far older ones, which had been trained into her for as long as she could remember. She listened to those voices, those clear, sharp messages of who and what she was expected to be. She looked back at the picture in her mind. It held steady, unchanging. It was solid. It was true. In spite of all that had happened, all the danger they still faced, Honor laughed out loud. Delphinia turned to glance over her shoulder at her, one eyebrow raised. What was that for? My true self, Honor said, still chuckling. My ego. I just found it. Delphinia gave her a longer look, surprised and curious. Did you really? Honor smiled and gave her a prim nod of satisfaction. Quite. When Delphinia saw that she was not going to elaborate further, she seemed slightly annoyed. This only increased Honor's satisfaction. Well then, Delphinia said, turning back to the path before them. Cheers. Honor looked out at the approaching buildings of the chalet and raised her chin in defiance. In her mind, she held tightly to that image of her truest self. On her knees before Natasha, the big woman's hands placed tenderly and possessively on Honor's head. I am coming, mistress, she thought.
0: And that was Chapter 11. Come back next time, when Honor and Delphinia arrive at Malin Station, only to find that their escape plans have a new complication. Chapters of The House of Bellevue will be released at a rate of one chapter per week for 51 weeks. If you'd like to listen to it faster, all three books are available now on Amazon and Audible. To learn more about these characters and their world, please visit www.authorlcwilliams.com. Octavia Butler said, First forget inspiration. Habit is more dependable. Habit will sustain you whether you're inspired or not. Habit will help you finish and polish your stories. Inspiration won't. Habit is persistence in practice. So, let's find out how well I've kept up my persistence this week. Here's your weekly writing report. This update covers the week of December 3rd through December 9th. I wrote 903 words this week, over the course of 1.25 hours, for an average writing speed of 722 words per hour. I wrote on 2 out of 7 days this week. My efforts to rebuild my riding habit hit an unexpected snag this week. On Monday, my dog Cedar started limping for no apparent reason, and by the following morning he had lost the ability to walk. We took him to the veterinary hospital, and after a whole bunch of tests and spending two nights there, we still don't know exactly how he got hurt. We know he has a UTI and probably an infection in his left hock, and he has some kind of an intermittent balance problem, which seems to have led to an accident on the stairs to our deck. They ruled out a bunch of potential causes. We know he doesn't have cancer, or seizures, or an autoimmune disease attacking his brain or his joints. He might be having strokes, but if so, they're so small that they didn't show up on an MRI. Needless to say, we've been very distracted and worried about our sweet disaster Muppet. Since he came home, we've had to carry him around the house, ice his injured leg, help him eat and drink, bathe him, and help him stand with the aid of a sling in order to relieve himself. We also couldn't leave him unattended, because he would drag himself out of bed and across the floor to try to find us. And at approximately fifty pounds, Cedar is not a small amount of weight to carry around. As I'm writing this, it's Sunday of the following week, and he's finally starting to be able to walk again. We've also seen his personality resurface, now that he's not on fentanyl for the pain. He's on his way back, and as long as he doesn't hurt himself again, he should make a full recovery. This weekend, not coincidentally, I was finally able to start writing again. Come back next time and I'll let you know how it's been going. If you'd like to share your thoughts about the show, send your feedback in text or audio to metamorecityfeedback at gmail.com. To leave a voicemail, dial area code 641-715-3900, then enter extension 255-082, followed by the pound sign. My Facebook is facebook.com slash author chris lester. The fan group is fans of Metamore City on Facebook, And our Discord server is Metamore City. I'm there pretty often, so come say hi. If you like this show, please consider leaving a review at Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or Podchaser.com. It really helps people find the show. That's all for this week. I'll be back next time with more fresh new fiction. Until then, keep it on the bright side. This is Chris Lester, signing out.